Hey guys, this is Stephanie Wallace and you're listening to Independence Radio, a broadcast of Independence Care System. Independence Radio is a series of conversations with members of the ICS community about issues of health care and independent living for people with disabilities and older adults. My guest today is the multi-talented sit-down comedian Damon Rozier. Damon is a new member of the ICS community who shares with us his experiences as a single parent, life after injury, and reinventing himself. Sit back and enjoy this free-willing conversation. What was your life like before your injury? Well, I was a hairstylist before before I got hurt, yeah. Are yeah. you being a comedian now no, or are you I, being I, serious? I, I am so okay. serious. <laughs> I am so serious. Um, my life was strictly making people look good. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been doing hair ever since I was 15 years old. And um, prior to my accident, I, I had my own shop going. And yeah, it was it was crazy. Mm-hmm. I actually traveled um, across the country doing hair. Men, women, both. Look. I would do both. Yeah, I would do I would do the cutting style of a woman. I wouldn't do the whole bleaching and oh, okay. you know I would do the cutting style. I was uh, yeah. Wow, I'm amazed. Mm-hmm. I didn't come across that in my research. No, nah, no. Yeah. Okay, all right. And so, and and your injury happened when? I got hurt in 1997. Okay, April 30th, 1997. Mm-hmm. Matter the- of fact, 2:30. P.M. <laughs> April 30th. Precise. 1997. Okay. And, and Three we... people were walking down. <laughs> okay, come on now. I'm, I'm trying to be a serious... It's going to be a inter- long interview. I'm, I'm trying saying. to be a serious interviewer here. <laughs> when you... After your injury and you realized that you were injured, mm-hmm. when did it set in to you that your life wasn't going to be the same? The minute I got hurt. The minute I woke up... In the ambulance, I knew my life was ever from that moment on was going to be changed because I couldn't feel my legs. I couldn't feel I couldn't feel anything actually. I felt no pain though. Now keep in mind, I broke my neck in two places. I broke my hip, took eighty four stitches to the hips, uh, to my left hip. We did six surgeries to put me back together. You know, because I caught infections in my neck, and they had to go back in and redo all stuff. So um, I was pretty much on my deathbed. As you know, I had a trach as well. So, um, you know, I felt like they were trying to kill me in the hospital. And um, all they was doing is trying to make me get better. But at that moment, you know, everybody was against you. And prior to my accident, you know, even though I was I was uh, in the barbershop, I wasn't living the most righteous life. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was I was uh, selling drugs. When and I got, doing hair? And doing hair, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it went hand in hand mm-hmm. back at that time. And... Um, what happened was after I got injured and I was in I, I was in the ICU, I was by myself. It, it seemed like all the demons were coming after me mm. for everything that I did when I was on my feet that wasn't good, and I I actually felt fear for the first time. I was in situations where people were shooting at me and I didn't have any fear, but then here I am in this you know febile state because I couldn't do anything. They had to do everything for me. Couldn't relieve my bowels or use you know or, or pee. So. It was a major shock uh, to my system, and trying to figure out what was next was was just like terrifying. And you know, I had to find peace, you know, within my higher power, and say, you know, everything's going to be all right. But that came way down after I tried to commit suicide in the hospital. I failed, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, apparently. Please, uh, please tell us yeah, about, cause, the, cause, about the suicide. Cause, I'm <laughs> not laughing at suicide, I'm not. Well, actually, it is funny because when I sat there and thought about it, I was trying to think about all the ways I could do it. 
I thought about, you know, I could ask one of my friends to bring a gun in. I could shoot myself in the head in the hospital. But then I, you know, I was vain when I was on my feet. You know, I thought I was too cute. So, you know, uh, when I got in the wheelchair, I seen how people, you know, they, they, they were staring at me. And I said to myself, okay, well, if I commit suicide and I shoot myself in the head, what if I miss and I don't shoot myself correctly and I shoot off half my head? <laughs> now I'm in the wheelchair with half a head. What, if, if, if I thought people were going to look at me before, oh, they really going to look at me now. Like, wow, he in the wheelchair. What happened to him? I wonder what happened to him. So I said, that's not going to be a good look. So then I thought about it. I thought of the most ingenious way, because I didn't have a razor or anything to cut my veins or whatever. I thought of the best way to commit suicide. This was the best way. I had the IV hooked up to my arm. I said, instead of letting the IV go in, let me flip the switch and let the blood come out. You understand? But see, if you're not a master of suicide, you don't know how this works. You understand what I'm saying? So I flipped the switch, Steph. I can't make this up. I flipped the switch. The blood started coming out, but it ain't come out the way I thought it was going to come out. It came out the way the IV goes in. Drip. 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 I said, at this rate, it's going to take me about eight years to die. I didn't get woozy or nothing. I didn't. It was bad. I, I said, suicide not for me. I can't do that. Drip. Drip. So I failed that suicide is what I'm trying to tell you. Of course, there was a bigger picture that was having come out of the whole affair. I didn't know it at that moment. And then I stopped getting selfish. You know, I have, you know, I've been blessed to have uh, two kids. I have two sons. And when they got, when I got hurt, they were one and two. You know, and um, all they know is daddy. I didn't even let the mother do her job. I was breastfeeding oh, okay. and everything. <laughs> Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Don't worry oh, about daddy here for you. You understand? Okay. I, was, I wanted to be the full father right. that I didn't have when I was growing up. Okay. So um, when they would come up to the hospital, I had the halo on because they had to secure my neck. Right. And um, at one or two, you don't know what a halo is. You understand? You just see some bars. Right. And when a kid see a bar, what do he do? Grab it. They try to grab it and shake it. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time my youngest son jumped on the bed. He just grabbed both bars and was wiggling it. And I was like, this is going to hurt me any mm-hmm. second now. Uh-huh. I, feel like, I feel like there's a pain that's going to shoot through me. <laughs> but my kids, don't know, all they know is daddy. Yeah. I heard as soon as they get up there, like, daddy, 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 ran to the room. Mm-hmm. And um, they were my life force. Mm-hmm. I kid you not, Steph. They, they, were, they were my life force. You know, they would come in the room and they bright eyes. And then I thought about my upbringing and what it was like. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't raised by, you know, my father. I was raised by my mother and, you know, the man she married. And me and him never got along. So, you know, it was always a constant battle in my house between me and him. And I said to myself, I don't want anybody to raise mm-hmm. my kids. So I had to stop being selfish with the whole disabled thing. Right. You know, I didn't, you know, most people got time to mourn because they don't have anything. I had two kids that depended on me to, you know, step up to the plate and move to the next level or, you know, I would be subjecting them to maybe what I went through or worse. Right. I stayed in the hospital close to a year. I just kept having complications and complications. When they finally got me stable, they transferred me from Staten Island to Mount Sinai Hospital. Mount Sinai Hospital. That was the life force in me, going to Mount Sinai mm-hmm. Hospital because they catered to me. You know, they made me, they made me feel like it's okay. You know, but only problem is when you are in the hospital and you're around all these people taking care of you, the reality is you're going to have to leave here sooner or later. 
then reality is going to smack you in your face once again. What I've truly learned from being injured is that people change. What do you mean? People. Your people you thought. That you were going mean to the be people that were in your life your, before? Yes. Mm -hmm. The people that were in my life before, they weren't there. You know, they came up to the hospital, some of them. Some of them that I expected to come didn't come. So I, that, that affected me in a whole lot of ways. Do you think that your injury uh, was made them uncomfortable or Absolutely. they didn't know how to Absolutely. Absolutely. be in your life? Absolutely. It was like, you know, it was like somebody going to jail and somebody don't want to go see them because they see them behind bars or whatever the case may be. So when I got injured, it was, I can't see him like this. This is not, this is not who I know. That's right. not Damon. You understand? That's somebody else. No, I am Damon. And I have to look in the mirror every day and see me. So if I got to see me, you're going to have to see me, you know. And I had, to, I had to push past a lot of people, you know, a lot of people that I believed in. And, you know, even family members, you know, they all they knew me was for being a certain way. Okay. I was the dancer in my family. I was the baddest dancer in the land, you understand. So when I got hurt, you know, everybody, you know, they don't know how to ingest it. Right. Um, I was engaged. My fiance left me. Yeah, yeah, she left me. Uh, she left Immediately, me. or no, it was about it was about uh, it was about a year into it, a year into my injury, and you know she said she couldn't take it, you know, and you know we 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 all I said was you know please don't leave, not don't do this to me now. I got you know yeah I cheated, but that wasn't what we were talking about. <laughs> You know, I was starting to feel sorry for you. I was feeling sorry for you. I did, but I, you know, you know okay. things came out. You understand? Okay. You know, I, yeah. Did you really cheat? or? or no, I or, did cheat, and she decided she was going to deal with okay. the fact that I was cheating and I'm in a wheelchair. I died. That was too much. Okay. So she decided to leave. <laughs> I was mad, but hey, I couldn't do nothing about it because, you know, I, I, you know, <laughs> Your mother always told you, you make the bed, you got to lie in it. You understand? Okay. So I lied in the bed and she left. And, you know, um, you know, then I, you know, I was in pain. Don't get a mistake. And I cried in the whole 90 yards. What really affected me when I got injured was my best friend passed away. Mm. The same time as I was about to get out the hospital. That affected me more than my kid's mother leaving. That I was in for whoo, one incredible ride. Of torture because mm -hmm. when he left, my mind was in so many bad places. The only thing pretty much saved me was the fact that my kids, my kids were, they were everything. Mm -hmm. When I say everything, they, they, they were just the light. Every time they would come over, it would just, you know, even though I was, I was, I was, I was bad. When you're a man who I was to the man that I am now, we deal with different situations when you're in the wheelchair can't go to the bathroom the way you used to. We have to wear a leg bag. I don't can't cast. But I've been blessed enough that my body, my system voids. It voids full enough that, you know, I'm not mm -hmm. having any bladder problems. Right. Which is a blessing. Mm -hmm. Which is a blessing. So um, dealing with that is probably the biggest problem of me being in a chair because I travel a lot. I, you know, I have a lot of places I have to be. And in the process of my traveling, I'm always afraid that the condom's going to come off, uh, you know, or if I eat the wrong thing, it's not going to be good. Mm -hmm. I actually, um, I had the opportunity to take my youngest son to Africa when he was in middle school. Uh, if you don't know what you eat, and you shouldn't put mm -hmm. it in your mouth. You understand what I'm saying? 
<laughs> is what I'm trying to tell you right now. Okay? Yeah. You know. Okay. I'm trying to stay with the things I know. No, uh-huh. You understand? So I'm, I'm asking for spring rolls and chicken, you know, for the whole 10 days. I'm trying to. That's so we went from um, one resort to another resort in uh, Ghana. And when we got there, I asked for spring roll. But it wasn't a spring roll. I don't know what it was, but I know it wasn't nothing spring in that roll. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Matter of fact, it made me spring out of my chair. You understand? Because I ate it and it was hot mm-hmm. and something was in there. I was like, ah. But I was all right for a minute until later on that evening. Uh, we went, we had the, they had the little club in the little resort where we were. It was me and the teachers and some of the parents sitting around. And, you know, I'm about to buy a round of drinks for the parents and everything. I'm about to buy a round of drinks. And my son said, <laughs> he made a sound that let me know that there was somebody in there and they were trying to come out. Oh, yeah. You demons. You demons. My whole left side locked up on me. Okay? It's time to go. All I know is when I felt that yang in my left side, I literally, I, I think I could have. Outran the car. How fast I ran! Uh-huh. Shot to my room in this wheelchair. It was because it was coming, and ain't nothing I could do mm, when it comes. Right, right, this right. is this is war right now, <laughs> and I only have seconds before this time bomb go off. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, it was bad. Oh, it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so bad for my son. Oh my oh, god. god! Did you make it uh, to the no, bathroom? I didn't make it to the bathroom. Oh. I made it to my bed to try to take my pants off. Okay. Okay. Well, mm. at least you weren't in public. Mm. At least you weren't in public. It might as well be because the whole hotel knew what happened. <laughs> the whole hotel was walking past my room dropping reefs because they thought somebody died in my room. Oh, you understand? Okay. But it was bad. Okay, Damon. I'm sorry. Damon. I'm sorry. You asked. Okay. okay. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Okay, now we're going on to <laughs> of you making a new life for yourself. New life. Well, first of all, what made you decide on comedy? People always ask me, Damon, did you do comedy when you were standing up? I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. I, I, was a, I was a hustler. Mm-hmm. I was a drug dealer. You understand? I'm not proud of it, but that's not who I was. You know where comedy came from? I was angry. Mm-hmm. I was angry at society. I was angry at women. I was angry at people. I was ag- angry about the fact that I can't go where I want to go sometimes because they have steps. Or the bathroom's not, the bathroom stalls are too small, I can't get in. I was angry. And my comedy came from anger. I would go to the comedy shows and I would be watching the comedians and I'm like, wow, these guys ain't funny at all, man. You know, and I knew that was just my anger speaking because some of them were funny. And then I would look at, I would watch TV, I would watch movies. There's nobody in wheelchairs doing anything that people are noticeable. We're like unicorns. Mm-hmm. You see us, mm-hmm. and then you don't. Mm-hmm. You know, you see two or three of us, you're like, oh, it's a parade. Right. You <laughs> no, wait, I'm sorry, I have to stop you. That really happened one time. Yes. Me and my women's group, we went out one time to South PC Port. Yes. It was like 10 of us, and people were oh. stopping us, like, are, are you a school? Right. Are, are you a so and so? You know, what's going No, we just a group of girls hanging out. hanging out. You know, that's it. Okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. So, you know, I, these were the realities of what I was dealing with. And then I said to myself, you know, I watched BET. They had a show called Comic View that was on BET. And I, the history, I've never seen anybody in a wheelchair do comedy on there. So one day I'm just sitting in my living room 
told a friend of mine, hey, get this video camera. Take me telling these jokes. And I, I got to find this. I got to find this tape. This is when I first started. Unreal. Unreal. So I sent the tape to uh, BET. Never heard anything back from him. Yeah, whatever. But I tried, you know. So then I started going out to the comedy clubs, you know, going to the little comedy rooms and the open mics and um, just working on my craft and, you know, start thinking about how to formulate a joke. Because I had no clue of formulating a joke, none whatsoever. But I knew what I went through in my head and it was funny. Now, how do I translate that to people who are not disabled and bring them into my wall, my world and make them laugh at something they thought is taboo? Right. Yeah. Totally taboo. You know? So when I first started telling jokes, bada bam, and dropped the punchline, they'd be like, oh. <laughs> So that got me more mad. So I just started performing a lot, going to a lot of places. So I started seeing, hmm, if I work this joke this way, I'm gonna lose the ah, and they're gonna get they're gonna get the laugh. Because 99% of the places that I perform are not accessible. This is stand-up comedy. Mm -hmm. They don't need a ramp. There's steps to walk up to get on stage. And I kept seeing. Wow, man, everywhere I go, man, I got to have, you know, people pick me up on stage. And um, so I started thinking, I was like, wow, you know, I might as well, you know, break the ice with that because you're in shock. Mm -hmm. As the average customer who has never seen a comedian in a wheelchair, you're in shock. You, you hear I come rolling to the stage, right. you're like, what is this? Mm -hmm. I really can't laugh at a guy in a wheelchair. Right, right, right. You know, this is what I get. But then when he put me on stage and, you know, when a guy introduced me and the claps are not where everybody else claps were for the introduction of them, so I take that personal. Mm -hmm. So when I get on stage, I, I, might, I might not say nothing for a couple of seconds, just look at the crowd. Hmm. Hmm. Then I just tell them, apparently, y'all didn't see what I just had to do to get on this stage. Yeah. Chisel, chisel. You understand? Now they, ooh, uh, this, guy, this, this guy got a little bass in his voice. I need to hear what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I don't risk my life to come in here and tell y'all some jokes. Mm -hmm. You know, and this ain't a savory place for me to be performing at. Because, see, none of y'all look like the type of people that's going to help me if something happened in mm -hmm. here right yeah. now. You understand? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like if a fire break out right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know ain't none of y'all going to help me up this stage first. I don't know. Y'all look mm -hmm. like the type of people that's going to talk about me outside. Did he get out? I don't know. <laughs> I ain't put him up there. <laughs> he knew what he was getting into. <laughs> he signed up for you this. He knew what he was doing. He's paid to be there, right? Yeah. It ain't my job to get him off the stage. Mm. We're the two people that put him on the stage. <laughs> and then depending on if I got two guys, two big guys or two small guys or whoever's living mm. here on stage, I'm like, yeah, y'all think this is funny, man. I do you feel safe the, the, when people the, the, are... Oh, never feel thinking. safe. You mm -hmm. understand what I'm saying? Because everybody don't know how to work the wheelchair. Right, I've right. been dropped on stage mm. before I started performing. Let me explain to you how hard it is to come back from that. Mm -hmm. Now I'm laid out with my butt in the air and my wheels spinning. <laughs> you understand? People really don't know how to react. Right, 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 right. Wait, right. is he going to get up now? 
<laughs> he really can't get up. They gotta help him up. Now they lift, now you look real disabled. <laughs> if you ain't look disabled before, you look really disabled now. I'm on the floor. Mm-hmm. Laid out. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Okay. What? <laughs> you kind of really this is. I'm, I'm usually better. I know, you but I'm better at this. Uh, but my, you, you kind of, you know, it's like you came here and giving us a performance, but this is great. Anyway, I forgot what my last question was, Dan. <laughs> but uh, okay, all right, with the comedy, where, where did you you just get your comedy? I from get my comedy from my life. life. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing is, I've never written down a joke. Really? In in twelve years of doing comedy, I've never written down a joke. It all comes to my head. So when you go into a performance, do you know, like, you, you perform? Oh, I have a certain set that okay. I run. But then there's just the mystifying being that lives inside of my head that says, go left. And then mm. I'll go left and, you know, spark up a whole new conversation about something that I wasn't even thinking about. Okay. So, yeah. Now, have you ever bombed? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody's bombed. There's no comedian on this earth that can sit and tell you that they have never bombed. Every. Richard Pryor bomb mm-hmm. don't get no bigger than that. I was I actually bombed recently, which is difficult for me because I'm mm-hmm. bomb. I know how to manipulate the crowd, so I've learned to adapt and win when I'm on stage. Even when something don't work, I know how to work around it. Mm-hmm. I have a lot in my head, and I know how to manipulate depending on the type of crowd. But I was in Chicago. Chicago is a different beast. Mm-hmm. These some real thugs out there, and where they had me performing at, oh, it wasn't nice. Mm. I was staying with my cousin and I told him, I was like, hey, listen, I'm doing something on 50th and such and such. He was like, uh, good luck. <laughs> like, what do you mean good luck? He said, the police don't even go in that section. Oh my! He said, I'm not going, okay? But I'm telling you, watch your back when you go there. So I went there. Not, 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 not I ain't used to. It's a crowd. I'm used to this. Mm-hmm. I'm rocking. Oh, my goodness. Ah, I hit a wall. I told a joke and it did not go past and the whole place froze up and looked at me. I was like, oh. I hit the wall at five, from five minutes to 15 minutes. That 15 minutes of silence. 15 minutes of these guys looking like they're about to beat me into submission. So now, I'm only supposed to do 20 minutes at this place. I seen the guy give me the light. What's I never, the light? Cut yeah, it. That, that, that's, you know, shut down time. But see, I'm such a stickler at winning. I had to go at him. So I knew that this was a ratchet crowd. What I mean by ratchet, this was people that intelligent conversation is not going to take you where you need to go. I got to go to the gutter real quick. Mm-hmm. So I went and started talking about some sex. And oh boy, the crowd gave me one big burst of laughter. Hey, thank you, good night. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> Do you ever feel vulnerable never, when, you, when you're traveling? Never, and doing never, that? never, never, never. Mm-hmm. That is what has never left me. Whenever I leave and go to do what I'm doing, I don't have fear. It's just, that was in me when I was on my feet, mm-hmm. you know, and that came back. What What about um, the energy from you know the comedy, you mm-hmm. know, the laughter and it's everything like that? Yeah, okay. It's a high. Mm-hmm. It's a high like no other, and I've been high on a few things in my life. <laughs> A few things. I tried almost everything. Almost. Mm. Laughter has consumed my life. Mm. I could do this all day. So, um, everything is methodical with Mm -hmm. me. I'm thinking about which way to attack this. 
which way to bring the love to the ground. And I'm not, I'm, I'm the missing link. I'm not what they expect. Right. So when they see me and then I go into my jokes, it's, I tell a joke about my kids. You know, both my kids are grown now. Since I'm a comedian, now they want to try to be funny with me, you know, try to shoot little things with me. So I told my son the other day, I was like, hey, listen, I want to go to the mall, man. Uh, I want to go buy me a new pair of sneakers. You understand? Know I want to go get me a new pair of sneakers. He going to look at me. Why you want to do that? The sneakers you got on, still new. <laughs> you ain't never walked on them, daddy. The soles are still fresh. Matter of fact, if you want, you can take them off, put them in a box, and sell them back to yourself. <laughs> I was like, oh, that was a good one, son. That was a good one. Now, my other son, because I'm a single father, I've raised both of my kids by myself. You know, my other son, he want dumb Dutch. He want to jump in. You know, his younger brother got me. Now he mm. want to get me. He's like, oh, oh, oh. Dad, that was funny, man. Deshaun got you. I was like, yeah, that was cute. That was cute. I was like, what's up? He's like, yeah, hey, Daddy, let me ask you a question. I'm like, what's up? I knew he was going to try me. He was like, uh, Daddy, if you wasn't in the wheelchair right now, what would you be doing? I said walking out your life like your mama did. Get out of my face. <laughs> oh, that's too much. You can talk about my sneakers, but I can't talk about walking out your life. That's what I'd be doing. Oh, goodness. It must be fun. It must be fun living with oh, you. Oh, my goodness. My kids are... Other than having them try to clean, which they will not friggin' do. Oh, I don't know what's wrong with these that. kids. Not, you understand? No, I got beat into submission behind not cleaning as a mm-hmm. kid. Mm-hmm. You understand? So, you know, these kids just, you know, but other than that, they're incredible children. Oh, good. Incredible. Good. Actually, my youngest son just turned 20 a week ago, and he hit 300 on his bowling. His, he bowled his first perfect game. Oh, that's 300. good. 300. Good, good, yeah. good, good. 12 strikes. I was like, yes, because he's been bowling since five. Okay. Okay, that's wonderful. Yeah. My yeah. last time I bowled, I bowled 24. There you go. And a five-year-old right. beat me. There you go. So right. I was... You That's know, right. Done. And told me he was going to beat me before yeah. mm-hmm. we went in. Yeah, so. disrespectful little kids. You I know, right? You should have ran them over with your chair. That's what you should have did. <laughs> it was witnesses. That's okay. Sometimes they got to need Oops, witnesses. I can't. I'm sorry. Oops, my control. I'm disabled. Right. <laughs> so who do you who who inspires you? Who do you think is God? Funny? God inspires me because uh-huh. I know without God I am absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. He is my motivator, my energizer. Everything everything that I believe in comes from my giving. Myself and saying, God, I, I'm sorry. Mm. For the things that I've done. You understand? Help me. I never get on stage without praying. Mm. Every time I get on stage, mm. I pray because I, I didn't have this gift. I try to hurt people on my feet. Mm. Now I go from that to this. So it's got to be a gift, you know? And I could have been, I could have been bitter. It could have went so many ways and nobody, if I went bitter, nobody would have felt bad because they you know of my circumstances you know he has the right to be bitter I flipped the odds Mm -hmm. forget bitter I want to see you smile I want to see you wonder why I'm smiling Mm -hmm. so when I'm rolling down the street and I say hi to somebody and they look at me strange like why is he smiling so big Mm -hmm. I love life I woke up another day I got dressed by myself Mm I know people in my situation that don't that don't have that ability. Right. They need somebody around them twenty four hours a day. Mm-hmm. You know. Now I have a home attendant that comes and helps me out. You understand? Because I need help with some things. You know, I need help with some things. But realistically, it's just a good combination. When I got to get on these streets, I don't have nobody. I got to do what I got to do. 
You know, so anybody who can make my life just a little bit easier, I'm so thankful for. What this summer? What What do you? Oh, have my birthday up? party! I every year I do a yacht party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't have P Diddy money, but I'm a I'm a I'm a live my life to the fullest. Mm-hmm. Last year we had a double decker yacht leaving to uh, go around the city. I, it, it was it was like crazy on there. Everybody partied till like it was over. Like it was 1999. Like mm-hmm. the world was going to end the next day, and we're gonna live tonight to the fullest. So um, August 6th is my next uh, birthday party. August 10th is my actual birthday, mm-hmm. but um, you know it falls on a Wednesday, so we're doing it August 6th. So we out on a triple decker yacht leaving from uh, Queens. Okay. And how uh, would people get tickets for that? Um, they can contact me. Hit me up on my website. Um, um, my website is www.damonrozier.com. Um, or you That's can call DamonRozier.com. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I always got to try to spell that last right, name. People right. mess my last name right. up. And then they can call me. My number is 917-686-3624. Once again, that's 917-686-3624. We have tickets on deck. It's, you know, it's Actually, tickets are $40 now up until July and $50 after July. Okay, and tell us a little bit about your book. Oh, man, Surviving the Game of Life. That's the story of my life. You know, uh, it takes you back from when I, when I was a kid and what I went through as a child with the whole abusive home and everything and what forced me into the streets and what forced me into the drug life and what forced me into, you know, this, uh, to the penitentiary. Uh, spent some years in there and then to come out and break my neck in a motorcycle. It's crazy. It's, it's a must-read. It, mm-hmm. if, if, that, if that book does not inspire you to be better in anything that you're doing, you're just a dead person. You understand what I'm saying? You just have no emotions whatsoever. Because whenever I go through the book, I'm like, wow, I live This guy. I, no. <laughs> I live, yeah, I live this life, mm-hmm. you know? And to come out on a shining end, mm. I try to tell people all the time, this accident saved me. My kids would have not known who I was if I was on my feet to this day. Because I was, I was headed to death. Mm. Quick, running to it. Like, with the gasoline on me, with the flame in my hand. Mm. I was running to it, but didn't even see it. I was saved after I got broke my neck. Because this made me appreciate life, value people, value my children more. Because my biggest thing right now was to do exactly what I did. Watch my kids grow up to be fine, intelligent, strong men. And that's where we at. Thank you, Damon. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I appreciate y'all. That was Damon Rozier, ICS member and sit-down comedian. You have been listening to Independence Radio, a broadcast of Independence Care System, a community-based nonprofit agency serving the Bronx, Brooklyn, Manhattan, and Queens, and dedicated to supporting older adults and adults with physical disabilities and chronic conditions to live at home and participate fully in community life. To learn more, visit www.icsny.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Stephanie Wallace, and you can catch my live talk show, Laid, Love and Intimacy for the Disabled, on Monday nights at 6 p.m. Eastern Time at blogtalkradio.com slash late. Bye-bye.